0: Welcome to Chatting About Change with Dr. Jim Maddox. I'm a professor, OD consultant, and change strategist, helping individuals and organizations experience life to the fullest and engaging in positive transformational change. In addition to this podcast, please check out my latest book, Embracing Resistance to Change, Facilitating Change Differently Through the Paradox of Resistance, available now through Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. welcome to another episode of chatting about change with dr jim maddox today i'm talking with peter kalmar who is a um he's an economist slash consultant slash um all around great guy um i i met peter several years ago at a conference in portland and he is the one that connected me with the iota group the international organization development association and so um I, I've just I've been really looking forward to this this chat because uh, I've known Peter from conferences, and so this is a, a great chance to just kind of chat over a virtual cup of coffee. And so, Peter, how are you today?
1: Hi, Jim. Thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure to see you, and uh, I'm I'm very good. Thank you.
0: So, tell the tell the listeners a little of your your background, kind of your um like your professional story. I mean, it, you're you're a Hungarian. Um, kind of spending part of your time in portugal and uh, and then back to budapest and and so uh, i yeah i think you just have a fascinating life so tell us a little bit about your your journey and then kind of maybe what are what are some of the projects that you have going on these days
1: well i don't know how how fascinating my life is but it really is very enjoyable so i I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot and uh, and uh i was born in 1965 so it means that I'm around fifty-seven, right? I don't count, but around that. We're and, all young. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, and uh, as you said, I was born in Hungary. Um, my my uh, my main residence is in Budapest or just outside of Budapest, but I love traveling and I work a lot internationally. Um, so I've been to all continents, seventy-plus countries, and uh, half of it was work, and the other half is just pleasure. Um. And Portugal is, is my second home in the sense of uh, I have some friends here and uh, we have a, an office of our uh, consulting firm here. And uh, I actually took my family, three daughters and uh, my wife, three times to Portugal for a whole year uh, so that they immerse themselves into in a different culture. And uh, we experience something different than our own um, thing uh, back home. Uh, let me know if the if the connection is no, that, not working properly. yeah no this is
0: perfect yeah the sound's great but
1: uh, but uh, the the good thing is uh, that uh, i am currently here in portugal uh, and uh, the sun is still shining uh, in this part of europe you know and things are green and uh, it's just lovely to to experience that back home it's already almost winter uh, and uh, tomorrow i'm flying back and and continue the the season, which is autumn and uh, winter and spring, mainly in our business. Uh, you, you said that I'm an economist. And yes, uh, I uh, graduated as an economist uh, 30 plus years ago. Um, and ever since uh, I've been working on the soft sub-organizations, so not on the numbers, uh, but on people, on the people side. Um, when when I uh, started my kind of career, Uh, It was exactly when uh, the the big changes happened in Central Eastern Europe. And um, we came from a centralized socialist economy uh, and entered into a free market economy. So the whole notion of change management, you know, started on day one uh, back in the 90s uh, and uh, and, uh, the need for a different mindset and a different leadership style and different management methods in organizations was was very strong then. We were young and and fresh and uh, worked a lot with uh, foreign consultants, learned a lot from foreign consultants coming to our country, um, helping the the socialist or the state-owned company to transform themselves into market-driven companies and also uh, the multinationals uh, to enter uh, our, our marketplace and and uh, culturally adopt uh, their methods to to what worked in Hungary and in the region um, Central Eastern Europe, meaning uh, you know the Czech Republic, Slovakia, ex Yugoslavia, Poland, uh, Romania, and so on. So that is where it started. Um, and uh, you know, in twenty years ago, we established a firm called Flow after the work of Doctor Mihai Professor Csikszentmihalyi, the flow feeling, the flow state. Um, he, he is a Hungarian psychologist who actually left Hungary and worked mostly in the U.S. in his whole life. Uh, but uh, we, we we love him, and uh, he loves uh, he loved uh, Hungary, and um, uh, this was one of the reasons why we chose uh, chose the whole notion of being called flow. Oh, that's fa- um, I didn't know there was a connection to him with yeah that is- the, 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 definitely and and we connect a lot of what we do on the organizational development front and change management front and uh, cultural development front to the to the whole concept of flow because uh, you know the more you are in flow and the more people are in flow in an organization the the results are the be- are better. So basically just put people into flow and then you're going to have all the advantages of uh, them producing results and and it's also enjoyable plus the learning happens in that zone faster. So on the individual level, team level, organizational level, uh, we work a lot with the concept of flow in our work. And just uh, to, to wrap it up, uh, basically our work is in organizational development, leadership development, and, and culture change.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So
1: could you Give
0: us kind of a, a a like a short synopsis of of kind of that whole notion of flow, just for the for the listeners. Um, I, I think it's a it's a fascinating psychological concept, and the research behind it is is fascinating. So, you kind of give a, a short synopsis of that.
1: Yeah, in in in, uh, in 1998, when we chose this name, it was uh, relatively unknown. The whole notion of uh, flow and being in flow. Uh, And by now, I think they kind of talk about it as one of the pillars of positive psychology in in general. And uh, it's like spreading like wildfire, really uh, all over the world. And everybody's talking about it and and trying to make use of it. The original book was called Finding Flow, which means uh, you don't have to create it. (laughs) You know, you just have to find it. Uh, And uh, Csikszentmihalyi talks about this as uh, the Uh, only way to find pleasure and uh, happiness uh, in your in your activities and specifically his research was done in uh, his base research was done in uh, uh, in uh, workplaces because uh, it is quite obvious uh, when a when a when a sportsman is in flow or when a musician is in flow or when an artist is in flow and so his question was how can we make people happy in organizations and uh, his answer was um, when they experience the flow state uh, then uh, it's more likely that they are going to be happy and also uh, that is when they produce their top results and the funny thing about it is that sometimes uh, people associate the flow state with top performances but it's your top performance it's you know it's not worldwide top performance that we talk about it's just Top performance uh, on the basis of your skill level, uh, and you experiencing that you're in control and that you're at your best. Um, uh, it's also quite uh, interesting that um, that uh, and Mihai mentions that you can't always be in flow. <laughs> that 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 you that you have to look for it and find it and try to stay in flow as long as as possible but it's a state so you can fall out of it and get into it and uh, you work on 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 getting that uh, most of the time in your activities that you do in your life and people find flow in different activities as well it's it's when you really engage in something when time flies when your energy and your focus is full and, uh and uh, it's uh, when your skills and the challenge of the of the situation and the task that you're dealing with is in balance. So basically um, if you're if you're you know doing a task that is not challenging then I'm simplifying it, but you get bored very quickly. Yeah. And uh, if the challenge is huge and your skill level is very low, then you you actually become excited and stressed. Uh, very fast Uh, you can also burn out very quickly Um, and when it's in balance then you're in control and you you feel that you master that task and you master uh, and uh, your skills and you use your skills at its best and as your skill level grows you need you know higher and higher challenges to really put yourself in in flow and also if you're put to higher and higher challenges you need to work on your skill set so that your skill set is good enough for that for that challenge that uh, you're facing and by the way this is why this is true for individuals and teams and organizations as well because uh, this balance of skills and and the challenge uh, can you know we can talk about this on an organizational level as well
0: yeah that's what like, i was going to ask was how, how does this kind of how, how does this kind of translate or extrapolate to the notion like around organizational culture and um, and, and kind of creating the conditions in an organization for people to experience flow.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Csikszentmihalyi was a professor. So in that sense, he talks about the research behind the flow state and uh, let's say, what are some of the uh, conditions when you can experience it. Uh, but he he never really went into the specifics and, and the tactics and and how to do this, for example, as a leader. How can you help as a leader, uh, your own people, your own teams, your own organization to be in flow? Uh, So we work a lot on this this pragmatic, practical application of the concept. And uh, he also uh, talks a lot about individual flow. So he talks about flow as an individual thing. And uh, we kind of talk a lot about team flow. Uh, can you inspire others Uh, is there any correlation between me being in flow and you being in flow Uh, can we collectively experience the flow uh, feeling as a team and uh, to your question on the organizational level uh, you have to create the same conditions that Csikszentmihalyi talks about uh, to put your organization into a place where It's not stressed out and it's using its skills to the max. Uh, And it works on the skill level of the the people in the organization constantly and improves that and takes on more and more challenges and uh, reaches higher and higher as an organization. So that balance balance, uh, needs to be there on the organizational level. And when we work with an organization, we actually kind of put them on a map uh, whereby uh, they can see uh, whether they are using their potential fully uh, or not. And if they are not, then we bring them in the direction of empowerment, uh, basically, and, and allowing people to create more. Uh, or some organizations are actually stressed and, uh, and uh, the challenges are huge and they are not prepared for it. And then it's more on the on the development track, where they find solutions uh, from from our toolbox or from from working with us, so it helps us to diagnose a little bit. What uh, are some of the things that we can be of assistance uh, in to the to the different organizations we work with?
0: That's probably where the the leadership development part comes in, then, because it it sounds like it would really take a, a certain leadership approach or leadership style to facilitate a, a that an environment that would allow flow to, to surface.
1: And absolutely. Couldn't, absolutely. Couldn't and, flow. and, and by the way, some of, some of these uh, preconditions that Chicks and me, I talks about is, uh, is basic. So for example, you have to uh, know what the goal is and uh, understand the rules of the game and clarify the task itself, uh, make it measurable if possible. These are things that, you know, from a management or leadership point of view basics, right. But, uh, if you don't have that you know preconditioned mat then uh, it's very hard to experience flow and 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 the development uh, of of uh, of your performance also immediate feedback uh, is something that uh, Csikszentmihalyi talks a lot about so you you need you need reinforcement uh, from the Uh, external world uh, on your own performance you need feedback from others on how you behave what's your impact is uh, on others so in that sense uh, this is again a basic uh, managerial leadership function to be of assistance and give that support and and feedback to people Uh, and we we talk about a lot about the importance of feedback and how to give feedback uh, in general but if you do this in a consistent and and, uh, and ongoing uh, way as a leader in an organization, then you are building a culture, uh, which is a performance culture, uh, and at the same time, uh, a flow culture, because it allows people to experience this state. So um, th- I,
0: I didn't realize that, that your consulting firm was like, I knew the name was Flow. I mean, I'd seen <laughs> that like, on your card, or but I never really connected it with that that whole concept of, of the flow state and, and I've been familiar with it in terms of, of kind of my psychology background mm-hmm. and understood the concept in terms of like, particularly like with musicians or, or athletes or other people that, you know, and talking about how we can experience flow. I'm fascinated that you've like taken that to an organizational level. Cause I think that that, that it's just, you're really helping create what I would call humane organizations.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And that's yeah. and that's that's very much uh, you know what what we are doing. So uh, if you asked me ten years ago, uh, I would have said that uh, what we are doing is um, helping organizations to become more productive, more effective, and at the same time uh, be a, a community and uh, and a place where people love to work and where they can be passionate and experience flow. Today, today I would add one more feature, uh, which relates to the triple bottom line profits, people, planet. Uh, I would actually add that we are trying to work with organizations who care about the environment, you know, and if they don't care about the environment, then we want to make them care about the environment. So on top of the profitability and taking good care of their own people, uh, what's their footprint uh, on the environment and how can they impact their environment in a positive way from on a social level as well.
0: Yeah. Cause that has real implications for the s- sustainability of the, mm-hmm. of the business sustainability of the community and just the ongoing, you know, the, the, the onjo- ongoing, ongoing um, flow state that you're experiencing or that joy or the, the satisfaction it's going to be short-lived if if it's not sustainable and
1: absolutely you know. it, it, it's it's uh it's something that uh, um every every leader uh, and every company owner and by the way people in 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 other organizations as well in the government sector schools hospitals uh, nonprofits, they should be looking for this balance that you're talking about of uh, of uh, taking care of uh, you know our, our shareholders but also our employees and plus the environment around us so um so you
0: mentioned and uh, those different um different types of industries so does your organization work with with everything from for profit to non-profit mm-hmm. to the government to
1: schools or healthcare well uh, you know a uh, good question, Jim, because um, most of our work is in the for-profit sector. We, we are a for-profit organization, uh, Flow Consulting or Flow Group. Um, and um, and uh, we work internationally now. So we have uh, you know, offices in different countries and partners, and they are all in the for-profit sector. But uh, five years ago, we, we decided that we are going to set up a foundation called the Flow Foundation, which actually is financed uh, from our income in the for-profit sector. And uh, and uh, it runs on the energy and time that we put into it, basically, as consultants, trainers, coaches. And uh, we were by kind of kicking it off only, uh, the, the flow community or the consultants uh, and my colleagues, we kicked it off. But now a lot of people joined us Who are not part of of our own uh, company but uh, who wants to work in the non-profit sectors or sector as well Um, um, mostly pro bono uh, sharing our knowledge using our our toolbox uh, outside of the the sector where where people can pay for our services so the foundation was set up uh, specifically for this to move and mobilize some of our time and energy and knowledge uh, into other sectors and uh, also to uh, to make sure that uh, that uh, whatever we teach and preach and and by the way live and and uh, and try to uh, showcase as well uh, reaches reaches uh, not just our, our for profit clients but uh, others who are interested in in developing and working with us so you
0: um, when so you are you one of the founders of the group or you must have got in really early yeah. with the organization?
1: yeah, it's it, it's it's also an interesting story because uh, this business of ours is many times uh, individuals or small little companies, family companies, two, three people working together or loose networks, right and and uh, and then academics joining in and and, and uh, it's project based. And uh, this is how we started uh, up in the '90s as well. And then it was, by the way, exactly when the when the Twin Towers fell, uh, when when this uh, horrible uh, thing happened in in New York City, that we were in Dresden, Germany, in an IOTA conference on the day when this happened. With, by the oh. way, lots of Americans uh, attending the conference, and uh, everybody was shocked and the whole conference uh, was you know upside down and it, it did many things didn't happen what we planned and other things happened. fantastic supporting things uh, instead of uh, the official program. And one of the things that happened there was uh, we were there, uh, the three of us from Hungary, three different companies, actually competing companies, but friends uh, in general and uh, and open supporting each other type of colleagues. Anyway, we were there and we started to talk about why do we work in separate units? Why don't we work together more? Uh, and uh, it was inspired by this commotion and this uncertainty that was in the air. And we said, we love each other. We want to support each other. We we, we work very, very, uh, we work on, on very similar pins and in very similar ways, so why don't we join forces? And this was when we started the Flow Group, which was in fact a merge of these small companies, uh, five companies at that time, under the Flow brand and Flow umbrella. Uh, And it was, as I call it, the longest possible um merge process because it took like 10 years or 15 years for us to really become one company you know yeah but we we kind of exemplified how what we preach uh you know people and also organizations working together in collaboration for the common cause um and uh, we enjoyed it a lot and we inspired each other a lot and then at a certain point in time we turned this group of companies into a into a full-blown partnership with individual Owners and uh, and the key colleagues, you know, running the show and running the business um, for the whole for the whole group, uh, working in flow.
0: So, it's, yeah, what a great way to be able to um, help other organizations um, embrace some of the concepts by living them yourselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, it's easier it's easier uh, to to work with organizations when you're working on your own organization as well. And when you can experiment in your own organization and when you can actually um, in a credible way, talk about your own journey as well uh, on the same road that they, are tra- that they are taking.
0: Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. I didn't, I had heard stories about the, the IOTA conference that happened in Dresden during um, mm. 9-11 and yeah. And just knowing the group and knowing the, the, hearts of the people that are in iota i I could imagine that that was just a a tremendous outpouring of compassion and connection
1: Uh, absolutely and and the 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 shocking uh, i don't know momentum was that uh, dresden is a city that was bombed uh in the in the last couple of days of uh the second world war to rubble, so like you know, to to, to nothing basically, and it was uh, it was bombed uh, by the Russians, by the Americans as well, uh, you know, because they they had their battlefield above this city basically, and uh, we were touring the city on day zero basically, uh, in a bus full of uh, international guests, half of them coming from the U.S., and Dresden was famous for. Having some of the ruins uh, in the same shape and form as as they were left after the Second World War on purpose, uh-huh. so some of the church is not rebuilt uh, just just to show how it looked like, you know, and what what it looked like to make people remember the Second World War, and then this tragic event, nine eleven happened uh, with with uh, with a group of people and with basically a whole country that did not think this could happen, right? Uh-huh. And by the way, we didn't think uh up until this February that uh that we are going to live in a war zone again and that uh next to Hungary in Ukraine we will have a, a full-blown out full-blown you know war and 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 uh conflict between Russia and Ukraine and uh millions of people flooding through our borders into Europe, so uh, we thought that uh, COVID is the biggest hit that can that can hit, you know, the world and the economy and uh, even our even our business. Uh, but uh, it looks like uh, the world produces more and more unbelievable and negative things around us, and we we have to cope with it.
0: Yeah, about the time that we think that we've figured things out as a species, we we just self inflict pain on yeah. each other again
1: yeah yeah but i don't want to be negative and i don't yeah. want to you know sound pessimistic and uh uh there is a lot of uh wonderful things happening as well uh as as we as we progress in this 21st century but uh still still uh, every once in a while you know history and the world just uh makes us say wow this can happen and uh, not always in a positive way so, uh, for some reason, I just um,
0: when you were talking about the the kind of the merger of the the different consulting groups, kind of reminds me of Peggy Holman's work around engaging emergence and how mm-hmm. out of a, upheaval and and all that disruption and chaos can come um, some type of of cohesion and, and emergence of 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 new entities, new. Uh, New organizational designs, new organizational structures.
1: Fully agree, and I I respect Peggy a lot, uh, and uh, and her work as well. And uh, I I guess uh, it 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 takes us this this uncertainty and and all those things that are happening around us that are really unpredictable. It actually takes us in the direction of more organic. Uh, organizations so one of the things why we why we survive not just not just uh you know this conflict and and uh, and 911 uh, and uh then you know all the the economic uh crisis situations in the last uh, 20 years uh, including covid and uh and now the war situation and the impact of of this uh, on europe is because uh, our operation is not centrally driven. It's it's really not uh, something that is a hierarchical uh, structure with one person in the middle of it. We established it already, the five of us, uh, in in 2001. uh, And uh, we have 18 partners. So, you know, if you work in the company for a longer period of time, then you become part of this uh, self-organizing, self-managing body that runs the uh, organization. Also, people are responsible for their own units. They are responsible for themselves uh, as a consultant. Uh, in that sense, uh, we've seen companies falling apart and into pieces, uh, blowing up and breaking into small segments again, small pieces again uh, in these situations. But the organic structures and uh, structures that are built around the common culture and connections, individual human connections uh, and real real supporting culture sharing and and supporting culture. I think this this these these situations um, help us to become stronger
0: Yeah, I thought I thought that when you said that it was a 10-year merger <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I I just immediately thought of that or, that word organic of of just yeah. like how,
1: you know. Yeah, it was it was very organic and and uh, a little bit jumping back because you, you said you said I should talk about what's on my mind and and uh, what are we dealing with nowadays a little bit jumping back to our influence as Hungarians on the world <laughs> so we have a lot of uh, you know uh, Olympic gold medals and Nobel Prize winners uh, relative to how small uh, uh, Hungary is that's only ten million people altogether. Uh, and uh, we have a couple of people as well who are really famous. Csikszentmihalyi uh, Mihai being one of them, right? Uh, but there is a, a, another guy who became very famous nowadays. Uh, he's called Laszlo Barabasi. I don't know if you heard about him and organizational network analysis in general as a as a subject. O N A. Um, he is Hungarian as well, and there are, uh, there are reasons why. This field, uh, organizational network analysis, is uh, is uh, growing very fast in Hungary and, by the way, in the whole world as well. It's network science, basically. It's, it's the science of, of how we are networked. And uh, uh, one of the things that we, 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 we work a lot with nowadays is uh, to understand uh, the organic, informal structures in organizations. So one thing is uh, the history. The history is one thing, like how, how, did, how did the organization become what it is and how organic that root was, how the organization was created and also how organic is the self-management and the, the, the system that is operating the whole organization. But another feature that is interesting is um, what makes the organization tick who makes the organization tick and um, uh, organization network analysis is about mapping uh, the organization from an informal point of view. So we know the the boxes on the, on the charts on the organizational charts. We know the hierarchy, we know the roles and responsibilities, job descriptions, all of that. Uh, And we, we, we we might want to improve on them as well, but uh, it's, it's a fact It's there even without mapping, uh, whether you recognize it or not. The informal network of an organization or a a community is is there and it's sticking and it's working. And there are crucial uh, individuals outside of the leadership group as well in an organization who who distribute information, who support others, uh, who develop others, who inspire others energize others and so on and so on and it's not because they were selected to be leaders but because because they happen to be the connectors and the hubs uh, and and the informal organizational influencers so one of the things uh, jim that we work a lot with is how to do that mapping step one uh how to how to help organizations and leaders see the the informal the invisible I was the gonna the say trusted, it's making it a yeah yeah the trusted network which which they might have a feeling of but they can't be sure especially in large organizations like who, who are those guys that we need to talk to and who can support change and adaptation and uh, and uh, development in the in the organization and so after mapping and after being able to to show that to people how can you work with these influences without destroying the informal network? Because it's informal for a reason (laughs) and and, uh, you don't want to interfere and manage what is informal. You just want to work with those guys and those people because uh, this podcast is about change. Uh, The whole definition that comes from Beckhart from the 60s, 70s, this whole top-down cascading type of change that we always talk about is not fast enough. It's just not fast enough under these conditions that, that we are talking about. Uh, and uh, if you can map the, the informal networks and start working with the, with the uh, influencers in the organization in a conscious way as a leader, then you can get your organization prepared faster, change faster, adapt faster, uh, and introduce faster some of the measures that needs to be introduced to cope with this speed of change. So that's, that's, for example, one thing that we are kind of passionate about.
0: What, 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 what do you see as some of the keys for um, that mapping process? Uh, what are, are there some, some approaches that, that work better than others or because you were talking about it, it needs to happen in a such a way that it's not been, um, that it doesn't destroy, um, you know, the, I, I, for some reason, I just popped into my head of thinking about like a high school biology class of dissecting a frog. And it's like, oh, we're going to kill the frog to open it up to see how it how it functions. It's like now it doesn't function anymore because it's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally so, cut into um, pieces. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, um, so let me separate two things. One one is the actual mapping, the, the how to do the mapping part, and then once once we have the diagnostic data, once we have the the map itself, then what do we do with the influencers? These are two two separate separate topics, and both of them are tough. So not, none of them is easy, but uh, um, the, the actual mapping is uh, sometimes I, I talk about it as an MRI, like um, uh, MRI in, in, in your body, yeah, like, like showing the soft tissues as well, and uh, and uh, trying to get a picture of of where the connections are and what are the healthy parts and the unhealthy parts. I love that and, analogy. You know, what, are, what are the problems, uh, when it comes to, for example, connections that should be there and then it's missing and connections that are strong, but there is no reason for, for different parts to really be connected so strongly and so on. And you can see that through a good organizational network analysis exercise, you know, you can actually have a, uh, an MRI picture of the informal network and your communication patterns in the organization, you also get a, a list of o- all the people who are crucial in, in, in making the whole organization tick. And uh, on that front, I am not an organizational network analysis uh, uh, expert. We have a very strong partnership with a, with a company called Maven 7, Uh, And uh, they have invested 10 years starting together with Barabashi, by the way, uh, uh, on how to do this in large populations. So hundreds and thousands of people on their mobile phones uh, in in a short way, uh, nominating uh, some of the colleagues around them for different questions and then a, a very strong, powerful mechanism and algorithm that helps you uh specify the people with the biggest we call it reach like the the people that really reach so it's not just a voting mechanism it's an algorithm that shows who is reaching how much of the organization and what parts of the organization uh, on an informal level in an informal way and so there the question is what's the algorithm how can you how can you collect data uh, from a large organization in a way that is uh, easy? You could have not have done this without IT, obviously. So what's the IT platform and how do you collect the data and uh, and uh, then what's the algorithm? And another big question there is uh, how to feed that back to organizations and what's the visualization tactic or technique that you use because, people cannot cope with too much data in the leadership circles or in the consultant circles so you, you really have to somehow bring it down for them that's that's one side and they they have done an excellent job there and uh, they have wonderful um, you know tools and 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 they can operate it smooth in a smooth way that's that's maven seven and that's the mapping but where it really becomes tricky is that First of all, each diagnostic intervention is an intervention, as we know. (laughs) So already launching something like this is important and uh, it sends a message and why do we launch it and how do we launch it is is a professional uh, exercise. So either internally or externally as as an OD consultant, helping the the organization to launch that type of effort is is one thing. How do you launch it? Second thing is, when you, get, when you get the data, how do you feed that back in a way to the organization, you know, showing the mirror, another OD skill, yeah. how do you feed that back to the organization in a way that it causes a lot of good and it doesn't cause any harm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third thing is once people understood and they are conscious about this type of output and they know now how does the, the, the organization look from an informal point of view, what are the trust networks, Who are the influencers... Then as a leader, what can I do to make sure that I connect to the influencers and I allow them to connect to each other and also I encourage them to connect to the leaders, but at the same time, I don't go into some sort of an official structure, into a formal structure, or if I go into a formal structure, then I know that there is a contracting process So, just the fact that I'm an influencer and I'm a a trusted person in the organization doesn't mean that I'm a change agent. If I want to turn uh, my influencers into change agents and I want them to support a certain cause or a certain change, a strategic change, culture change, introduction of a new IT system, whatever the change looks like, I have to make sure that I contract with them. So, I ask them, do you want to be part of it? What are your conditions? How can I support you? And that I actually not all of them, with not all of them, with some of them, I contract for them to support what I want as a leader in the organization. That's that's a, a very delicate process that uh, that we ha- all have to learn because it's a new subject. Yeah, so un-
0: uncovering that and then and then determining how to I don't know if leverage is the right word, but how to Um, um, build off the advantages that it can provide without like without destroying it
1: yeah yeah we started the conversation the conversation by saying that uh, Mihai's book was finding flow I think he he spent some time on what the title not creating it no no not creating it and so for example if if for example uh, ever I or somebody else will write a book about influencers it shouldn't be titled managing influencers you know because you don't want to manage them you don't right. want to yeah you want to work with them working with influencers would be a nicer title because it's more about understanding they are there and understanding that it's an opportunity for me a leader by the way some leaders look at it as competition but it's not and if it's competition then it's there anyway so i mean it's just that realization and then after that realization. Uh, how can I, uh, in a in an implicit way, in a natural way, interact and work with with my influencers so they are tuned to the same wavelengths uh, as the leadership and me? They know about things and they know about it uh, in a positive way. They 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 have questions. They can answer their. They can un- they get answers to their questions. They are informed first and so on. So. Basically, basically without, without ruining uh, the, the informal network, I, I can still have an impact on on this informal network and through this informal network. That's the art. Yeah, and that's, that seems that's where the culture piece comes in too, isn't it? Absolutely because uh, this top-down cascading change is is the traditional way, and this, what we are talking about is more a viral type of peer-to-peer type of change. Uh, uh, a bottom-up or a um, you know a natural type of uh, spreading of information and new behaviors and uh, a new mindset so um, originally and in a couple of years ago uh, if I want to be honest in a change management program or in a cultural development program we if we were you know ambitious we targeted a couple of hundred people on the top of a pyramid of thousands of people, because we thought uh, if we change the mindset on the top of the pyramid, that will naturally change the mindset of the whole organization, which is true, by the way. But because of the lack of resources, money, time, and so on, and so on, we couldn't get to the people directly, only through the leaders. And what what, what uh, organizational network analysis allows us to do is to have this old target group of the top of the pyramid. It's not instead of this, we, we still have to work a lot on leadership development in the top, but we have a, a second target group, which is called the influencers under the top management, middle management circles, because if we work with them, then they are going to help us in this viral change.
0: So it's a that- it's like when somebody says, "Should should the change happen from the top or the middle or the bottom?" And the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> yeah, and and I, 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 maybe it's because I spent um, part of last week um, hiking through some of the redwood forest out in northern California.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds uh, it, good.
0: It, it it was very soul refreshing, but but I, I you know I, I just think of this analogy of of like environmental change or, or like like the forest and 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 how how it's changed or not changed over you know eons and it's like it's this that very much that word organic like mm-hmm. nobody tells nature here's how you need to change or here's how you need to work together or you know even in that organic sense there's there's influencers there's parts of that overall environmental structure that that are key components and you don't, you don't really create those. They are there. And so like, when you're talking about influencers, it's like, yeah, you don't say we're going to create influencers. <laughs> um, or we're going to train influencers. It's like, no, we're going to, it's, we're going to uncover them. It's kind of like the flow part. It's um it's, it's there and it's inco- uncovering it. And then how do you uncover it in a, in a healthy way that doesn't destroy the network that is, has so many built-in advantages
1: yeah and it takes time uh it takes time uh in the organization uh, um, for this informal network to really get stronger and by the way you can do a lot for for really helping that process of of uh, strong relationships developing in an organization between key individuals who can then you know solve problems together and uh and uh, bring information from point A to point B, uh, develop things together so, and, and, uh, and solutions together. Um, so um, it takes time and, um, and uh, you're, you're, as you said it, you uncover it or you map it or you just make it visible uh, for, for the leaders especially imagine if you're a young or a new new leader on top of an organization and that happens a lot like rotation in multinational companies and the the norm is that a a ceo is actually put after three four five years to another country and so on and you would have to integrate into in the new system and that's cultural integration as well but it's also about integrating and, and somehow getting in touch with this informal network of the organization now who are you going to talk to other than your direct reports that's that's a big question and when when you when you want to share your ideas and and uh, your vision uh, and and the way how you want to work in the next four or five years uh, uh, with your leadership uh, in this organization who, who do you who do you address and up until now we did the, we did the, we did the 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 top and we did the all employee type of communication but we know that the all employee type of communication reaches people in a different way and it's normally one way and so on so if you want to interact with the organization who are the the target people um, i've worked with um, one of the big uh, food chains in Hungary. And, and there is an exceptional leader on the top of the, the organization. And he, he does spend uh, two days as a minimum out of the five on the field, being a CEO, you know, and, and, and really not in the office and, and uh, outside and in the shops talking to people. And uh, we talked about who do you talk to when you go two, three, four, five hours in a car to a place to visit uh the 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 store a small store or a huge store and he says well i talk to whoever i can you know i, I go there and i just talk to who is on the the shift <laughs> and uh who, who i meet uh who i meet in the shop and that's fine and that's that's exemplary and it's great but uh if he knew if you knew i said to him if you knew who are the influencers in that particular shop other than the head of the you know operation locally then you would really have to make sure that you talk to those guys and you sit them down in a circle and by the way you don't just talk but you also listen (laughs) so not just download on them what you want to say and what you want them to say but also ask what's up and get to get to know what the feelings and and thoughts of the people are because these guys do know how others feel not just how they feel so you know it's fascinating that we have this opportunity now and i think it comes with technology uh, so much so that you could do a, a couple of you know uh, mapping exercises without questioners or without asking people you could just analyze data in the in the it systems and so on and so on and, and there are methods to do that as well uh, but uh, as a start Creating a platform that is easy to use and uh, good for large populations and gives you know immediate uh, valuable information to the leadership of an organization—that's something that is brand new. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's yeah, you
0: give me a lot to uh, to to think about and chew on. Mm. But, yeah, that idea of, of influencers and and then just connecting that back to the, the, the notion of, of flow and, 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 a, and at a collective organizational uh, level, um, I, I can, I can see where your, your passion and your, your, um, just your energy comes from.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and, um, uh, there is one more thing because there is this whole notion of flow. There is the, 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 the uniqueness and, and, uh, innovation that uh, uh, fascinates me around organizational network analysis uh, and there is a third thing that I wanted to mention in our discussion and in our chat and this is our community sticking together so the OD profession sticking together you know me Jim and you know that this is something very close to my heart and uh, important to me so I was there when we organized uh, the Hungarian OD society 30 years ago basically from scratch Um uh, basically right after we started our our careers in this field we started working together with the competitors so to say they were never real there was never real competition it was always collaboration and sharing and learning from each other that type of culture but we established a a unit here in hungary uh, for that particular purpose and uh, we are also very active as 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 uh, as hungarians in the international community and we travel a lot and we try to be part of not just ioda the international the association but the global OD community in general and uh, we organized a, a big conference in 97 and then an ODI world summit in 2010 which was the first of its kind and then it was continued in portland where we met uh, in 2015 uh, which is the olympic games of our profession basically because every country is there and also all the as I call it, all the different churches within our religion are are together as well. Uh, so, in that sense, uh, uh, we 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 kind of kicked off something that uh, I think is important. Uh, and uh, uh, it's not just the the volume or not just the, the the amount of members in this community that matters, but the atmosphere of the community and the. Uh, the values of the community and uh, the relationships in the community and how it formally and informally works and whether this represents our views or not. And I think I think uh, uh, that, uh, for example, in IOTA, the International the Association and its meetings, sometimes large meetings, sometimes smaller meetings, uh, it's also the atmosphere and, and the people you meet there and the cultural experience in the local environment where the conference takes place. Uh, these are elements and factors that are as important as uh, the what did you learn specifically and how can you benefit from it next day in your practice back home Uh, and the quality uh, is is also very very high many times and you can learn a lot on the individual level and as a consultant as well but um, uh, sometimes the the energy that you get from a reunion like this is, is as important as the knowledge that we share or gather
0: yeah we're um when is the next world um um
1: conference or congress so so we have a we have a, an international conference every year like ioda has uh, and uh i'm i'm at the moment uh, a member of it i was in the executive committee for many years also i was the president for three years which i'm very proud of and happy about but i'm just a member like you jim and uh and uh still i think you and me we can still be the the persons inviting others because we are we are a strong community and each member of the community uh matters so uh, the invitation is now to come to australia next uh, september uh, then uh, if everything goes well uh we will have a conference in mexico city then the next year so 24 and uh the next Global OD World Summit uh, after Budapest and Portland and Bangkok, which actually had to happen in 2021 in a, an online format, will be live and in, in Ghana. So Ghana has already volunteered. We have a new president in Ayoda, Nobel Kumavu, Professor Nobel Kumavu, and he is from Ghana, happens to be from Ghana. So he is going to start his term now he will have a, a three-year term and end of that term is basically a conference in his his home country uh, and that is going to be a, a world summit as well.
0: I'm looking forward to all three of those next um, conferences.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I don't know how the world is going to change and uh, what, what uh, challenges are we going to face in the in the next couple of years but uh the more we stick together and uh, support each other in being optimistic and uh, proud about what we do uh, the better yeah.
0: yeah i um i just recently I, I write a friday blog that's called friday food for thought and um i don't remember if it was last week or the week before they kind of blur together but um it was on what i called the culture of hope Mm-hmm. Just how, even despite all the challenges and all the things that we could be lamenting and and down about, I, I, I'm still choosing to try to to maintain a, a what I call a, a culture of hope and a,
1: a, a hopeful mindset. Absolutely and, fully fully subscribe to that. We have to be kind to each other and never lose hope. Yeah. <laughs> and then everything will be fine. Well, Peter, this has been, this
0: has been great. I, I feel, um, I, I kind of feel selfish with this because I've never had this much time one-on-one with you at a conference because of just all the things that are going on and and just being part of a broader conversation, which I really love, but getting to just chat with you one-on-one here and hearing your story. And, and I, yeah, I just, I, I'm even more impressed with, uh, with the work you do and, and your organization after, um, you know, spending time with us this morning and, and afternoon for your time. Uh, yeah.
1: And thank you very much, Jim, for the invitation. Uh, I, I also enjoyed the, the conversation and uh, thanks for the, thanks for the hosting of this um, plus for doing this in general, you know, because it's an effort we know, we all know. And uh, I've looked at uh, the names that you have already had on your post, uh, podcast and, uh, uh, you know, impressive. Keep up the good work and, and congrats. Yeah, my my
0: daughter has started a, uh, she's she's got a travel blog and a travel YouTube channel. And she was asking me, she's like, oh, what about, you know, you need to optimize your numbers and you do you have any sponsors and this and that? And I'm like, <laughs> no. I said, I'm not commercializing my my podcast. I said, I'm not going to have any sponsors. I don't want commercials. I'm just, I'm doing this on a shoestring. Uh, it's, it's not a financial endeavor. It's, it's to connect for my students. It's to meet my own, fill my own heart up in terms of like
1: conversations. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I, I really appreciate it. It's that. even more impressive. It's even more impressive if, you know, you don't have any commercial aim with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, the value that you generate, the impact that you generate, you cannot you cannot measure that in in you know dollars. So thanks a lot for doing it. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, thank you, Peter, and uh, yeah, tell your family thank you for giving of your time because I know your family's you're trying to get things ready to uh, transition from. I, I guess it's like a you're like an animal that migrates,
1: like these birds. <laughs> so you're you're migrating <laughs> from back from Portugal back to Budapest. Yeah, the problem is we we have to use an airplane all the time. Except, we, it would be great to use my own wings. <laughs> well, yeah, for, thanks a lot for your time, Jim, and all yeah, the best to, to your students and, and everybody who listens.
0: Yeah, I hope one day to uh, meet up with you in Budapest, Hungary. Well,
1: it's it's on invited. my
0: place. it's it's on my places to visit. So I'm going to keep that in mind. You're invited anytime you come near. Let me know. I will do that. Well, thank you, Peter. Have a great thank day. Thank you very much. Safe travels. All the best. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Chatting About Change with Dr. Jim Maddox. If you want to connect more, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and at my website, drjimmaddox.com. Thanks for listening.